You're listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome everyone to the Pines Church online experience. My name is Matt Joy. I'm the lead pastor here at the Pines, and I am so grateful that you decided to spend 25, 35 minutes and change with us as we study God's Word. For those of you that may be joining us for the very first time, we are in the middle of a series on identity. And the way that we opened up our identity or our origin story, everybody has an origin story, right? Um, was to actually focus on God instead of ourselves. Why? Because we can't understand who we are without understanding who he is. Because the Bible clearly states that we were made in his image and likeness. So in order to be able to understand ourselves, we have to understand who God is. And in studying God and, and, and approaching God, we, we need to make sure that we have the right lens. As, as I stepped out last night and I, I looked up at the stars, I could see these little shimmers of light, but I know that there's much more out there in the galaxy. If I were to have a telescope, I could see some of the planets. I could see the Milky Way, things that aren't, uh, my natural eye doesn't have the ability to see. And so, therefore, when we approach God, we have to make sure that we don't approach him casually. You know, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this is where I think a lot of Christians uh, miss it because, well, what the heck does the fear of the Lord mean? Like, what, are we supposed to be scared of God? And that's not what it means at all because you can't be in an intimate relationship with somebody you're afraid of, but rather to have a reverential awe. And so reverence and awe, those are two words we don't kick around a lot in our society. All you have to do is jump on social media to see that. We don't have a lot of reverence for anything anymore. But the Hebrews, they had certain words just, just, just there to explain and to describe God. And so awe was one of those words. And so even Jesus himself, when the disciples were like, hey, we don't know how to pray. Like, we don't even know what we're supposed to be doing. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, pray like this, and he gave us the Lord's Prayer. But at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, I want to highlight something. He said, our, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And that word hallowed is, 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 means holy. And so God, so even Jesus modeled this type of prayer that when we approach God, we need to approach him as a holy God. That's the one attribute that holds all the other attributes of God together, his holiness. It's the last word that we have left to explain God, because again, holiness means to be other, to means to be set apart. So it's important for us to understand when we're coming to God that he is outside of time. He is outside of mathematics. He is outside of science. Why? Because he made all of these things. He's in them, but he's outside of them. So we have to have this reverence in recognizing that we are approaching a holy God. And then we talked about righteousness. As we submit to the lordship of Jesus as we, you know, turn away from our wickedness, our foolishness, our way of viewing the world. We repent of our sin, and repent literally means to turn in a different direction, to turn away from it, to, to approach the word of God as our source, and to make Jesus the lord of our life. He imputes his righteousness to us. The first time we see righteousness 
in the Bible is Abram. And it said that Abram believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So the foundation of Abram's righteousness and our righteousness is being in relationship with God. Is And because we're in relationship, God, we believe God and his righteousness is imputed to us. And the, the moment we do that, we are justified, which is what we talked about last week. I'm throwing a lot of big words at you like a like machine gun preacher over here. I'm just giving you a recap because all of this is needed in understanding ourselves. And, and I'm gonna I'm about to dive into that, but I'm just gonna make this one more point. And you can go back and listen to podcasts, YouTube, our website, social media. You you can find these messages. And I think it's really important because what I've been doing in helping us excavate our identity is I've been putting these blocks down that are the foundation of who you are. And these blocks, these stones are found in God. So it's so important for us to be able to understand this. But most of us, we're like, these are big, heavy religious words that get thrown around, they get thrown in our worship songs, but we have absolutely no clue what they mean. So I've tried to take my time in breaking these words down because they're fundamental in understanding our identity. And so last week we talked about justification, okay? And justification, according to the Bible, is that the moment we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, we are justified, meaning that our, our the old has passed away, that we have been declared righteous in Christ Jesus. So, in other words, we have been set free from the penalty of our sin, of our wickedness, and now we are in right standing with Christ. We have been justified. So that is a part of our identity now as we've, again, submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. So I want to make sure that I make that distinction because that is so important. Okay, we can't have a casual relationship with God. Uh, Why well, believe in God? Well, the demons believe in God. They even tremble, the Bible records, but they're not going to heaven. So it's very important that we've given and surrendered our lives to Jesus. I think there are so many people that say they believe in God and that's enough. And there's, 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 there's a surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. There's a fully giving yourself, repenting, turning away from everything and embracing God's truth. And so we are justified. And so picking up from there... Um, the debt has been canceled. We have been declared righteous. I want to tackle another word that's actually not found in scripture, but get, gets tossed around in the church everywhere. And, and when I say this word, you're, you're going, you're going to know it born again. That's actually two words. Okay. But you, you understand born again. I'm a born again believer. I'm a born again Christian. I'm born again. What does born again mean? Where does it come from, Matt? You just said it's not even in scripture. Well, that's true. Those words aren't in scripture, but the context and the understanding is. And so I'm going to pick up in John 1:12, and it says this, but to all who believed him and accepted him, speaking of uh, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. They are, are you ready for this? Reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan. That's kind of interesting. I never actually put that up from human passion. Okay, I have six kids, so there's a lot of passion there. But anyway, not from physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. 
So really, this is one of the primary scriptures, and there are many others that where we get the word, I am born again, because the Bible is talking about, yes, there is a natural physical birth, but there is also a spiritual birth, and that spiritual birth comes when you have believed and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You become a new creation. The old has passed away. So when you ask God, well, what about this sin? He says, man, that sin is as far as from the east is to the west. I don't even see that sin anymore. And so this is so important in understanding our identity that the past is gone. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not consequences for some of the decisions that we made in the past. What it means is that we are no longer under the curse of condemnation, of the enemy whispering in our ear. He may try to do that, but there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus because our past has been eradicated. And so, therefore, we must understand that we are born again. We have new appetites. We have new desires that align with God's word. And it says that we become, we have the right and become the children of God. Second Corinthians supports this by saying, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And so we have been reborn, born again. We are now son, we are his children. We are now sons and daughters of the king of the universe, the creator of all things. And so if you have a Bible or if you have any piece of paper or anything, write this down because this is the scripture that we're going to camp out in for the rest of the message. This, is, this, this scripture is so rich and there's so much in here. I would encourage you to read it, meditate on it, think about it, because I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to show you so much as you spend time in this. But it's Romans 8. 14 through 17, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. I feel like that's the best um, version of this particular scripture, but, but I read the NLT, I read the ESV, so I think other translations are good, but I particularly like this translation on Romans 8, 14. So here it goes. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So you are led by the Spirit, okay? When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, His Spirit came into you. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, so again, you were living in fear. You were a slave to sin, okay? So the Spirit, God's Spirit that comes in you, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead does not make you a slave to fear or sin any longer. You have been reborn, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship or daughtership. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are now God's children. Now, if we are his children, then we are his heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. The magnitude and gravity and weight of that statement right there. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Again, I wish I could take two hours to break this scripture down and maybe one day I will. 
But for the sake of time and the, and the series that we're in, I'm just going to highlight a, a few takeaways from this scripture. You know, the Bible says, speaking of the spirit that is on the inside of us, uh, James 4, 5 says, the spirit in us yearns jealously for us, meaning that word yearns means to, um, to, to long intensely, to long after something. So in other words, the spirit that is now in us desires to be in an intimate relationship with us. And that's what I want to highlight here. We can have as children now, as being reborn, intimacy with the Father. When Jesus gave up his life, the veil was torn. We don't have to go into to a priest to, to make a petition to God. We have direct access to God. Not even direct access to God as a servant, but as a son. Okay, and so this, this is going to hit a little different. So I want to highlight, it says, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. That word Abba, we don't use a long time, but in the Aramaic, it was a term that is best translated, and, and this is almost going to kind of, it's best translated into daddy. Now, it's not a word that I use anymore, okay? But it's interesting that it shows, you know, this, this my children, I have six children, they, they were, you know, the young ones, they call me daddy. And he's, he's specifically using these, uh, these words to show the familiarity that we have with God. Now, not the casual, we don't wanna to get too familiar, too casual, but to understand the closeness that we have with God, okay? He is not some God out in some distant cosmic universe that is, you know, lining things up in the metrics of our lives and one day in heaven, we will get to meet him. No, he desires to be in relationship with us now. And that our spirit cries, Abba, Father, meaning that he is like, we are to approach him as children approach their father, okay? And they call him Daddy, uh, Papa, or, or Dad. And so it's, it's, it's important for us to understand this. Also, it says that we cry out. And so it's interesting that it says we cry out. It, it, it's literally talking about a deliberate, loud cry. It expresses deep emotion. And uh, as I read different commentaries on this, it, it really highlights the spontaneity um, of a child in just calling out for his father. The confidence that he has that if my son is running around in the front yard and he trips and skins his knee, he can just grab his knee and yell, Daddy! And he knows that his father me, is gonna stop <clears throat> whatever I'm doing and run to him, and that's the assurance, that's the confidence that we can have now as we were reborn, we have become heirs with God, sons and daughters, heirs with Christ, sons and daughters of God. We can look at God as Abba Father, and we can, we can have that assurance of knowing that when we call out, he is there. In fact, James 4, 5 tells us he's, he's jealous for that time. He wants that time. He's fighting for that time. He's more passionate about being intimate with you than you are about being intimate with him. So really, it, it's, he's waiting on us. And so I use this word, these, this language because it's important. And I wanted to spend a lot of time here because some of us maybe had an absent father. Some of us, <clears throat> maybe our father wasn't there at all. Some of us, maybe our father was there, but he was absent. He was kind of like an apparition. He was a ghost. Um, some of us had abusive fathers. Many of us have had 
different experiences when it comes to our natural father. And, and, and I, I sincerely, my heart goes out to people whose father wasn't present, but I want to let you know that you have a heavenly father that yearns jealously to be intimate with you and that he wants you to view him as your daddy. He wants you to view him as Abba Father. He wants you to call out to him regardless of what you're going through because he wants to be there for you. He is a perfect father. And if you take steps towards him, James 4, 8, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So when you cry out to God, he is going to come. Just like if I heard my son who skinned his knee in the front yard, I would not ignore his voice. I would stop what I was doing and I would run out to him. Now, God can do a million things all at the same time, but you get the picture. I'm a, I'm a you know, like, I'm just a human. But God is even more passionate about being there for you. So I would encourage you to step into that. Um, okay. So from there, I want, I want to highlight something else. And this is found, still we're reading out of Romans. This is particularly verse 16. It says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The word testifies means that we have the evidence inside of us that we are children of God. You know, I have come across in, in my years of ministry people, am I really saved? I don't know if I'm saved. How do I know I'm saved? Well, the, we have received the deposit of the Spirit inside of us. And that is a testament to the fact that He is with us. It gives us confidence. We can rest in the assurance of knowing Um that we are truly in the palm of his hand. It's this assurance that brings um, our troubled hearts and our troubled minds peace. It's knowing that maybe when things aren't lining up in the natural world, when we've lost our jobs, when friends seem to have abandoned us, that we have the assurance, <clears throat> I'm so sorry, of knowing, okay, that we are his sons and daughters, and that he loves us, that he's never going to leave nor forsake us. He's not going to be an absent father. He's not going to abandon us as his children. He has adopted us. We are now in his heritage, in his lineage. And so we need to be able to rest in that. And I think so many of us sometimes through religion, through bad teaching, have somewhere along picked up the line that we're like, in right standing, out right standing, in right standing, out of standing, in right standing, out of standing. And so we have this yo-yo effect with God. When the reality is, when we feel like we're the furthest away, like God's still right there. And so I encourage you, if you feel like you've been in a season where, look, I haven't, I haven't cracked open my Bible. I don't even know why I'm watching this video or listening to it. Um, I've just been, I just haven't been close with God. To stop what you're doing and just say, God, I love you and I desire to hear your voice. Will you speak to me? And he will speak to you and to spend time in God's word and spend time in prayer. Remember, prayer isn't a monologue of you going through a laundry list of the things you need or the things that need to happen in the world. It's a dialogue, meaning that yes, you share what's in your heart, but then you also position yourself to listen because God wants to share with you. So prayer is, is, is so beautiful. And when people understand that, um, you understand how like you could be passionate and excited to be in prayer because it's not just you spouting off all these things. It's you quieting yourself to be able to hear the voice of God. Next in verse 15, I want to highlight that it says we have um, the status not of a slave but of a son. 
And that speaks to the authority of God. The children of God are given authority over sin and over the devil. So God, I'm going to give you a quick recap of the Bible. God originally gave man dominion <clears throat> over the world. He gave Adam it, Adam and Eve, and they relinquished it in the garden. And Jesus came back and took that authority. And now as sons and daughters of God, we have that authority here on earth. We should be confident in that authority. Children have the the honor, you know, children, my children have the honor of the family name, Joya. They are all Joyas. Well, we are all sons and daughters of God, and we are part of his family. Nothing can take that away. One of my kids can screw up, and they're still a Joya. You are still a son and daughter of God. It is an imperishable birthright. And that's important for us to understand. It's important for us to meditate on that um, that we have authority in this world. So we're not just hit from the left and from the right. The enemy has been stripped, okay? And we now steward that authority. Next, I want to talk to you about inheritance, okay? And this is found in verse 17. It says, now if we are children, that we are heirs, um, and not only heirs, we are co-heirs with Christ. This simply means that God has an inheritance for you. He has plans for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you. It's, it's to prosper you, not to harm you. It's to, it's to give you a future and a hope. God has a future for you as a son of God. It's already mapped out. That's why it's so important that we're in communication with God so we can excavate that purpose and that calling so that we can walk in it on this side of eternity. So the Bible says in Psalm 139, 16, that every moment of our life was recorded before a single day passed. We didn't start living that life out until we surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. And once we did, then we get to excavate that plan, that destiny, that dream that he has for us, that he wrote. That is part of your inheritance, not just when you get to heaven, but in the here and now. And that's where many believers, they think, I got, you know, I got this insurance ticket. You know, I've accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. I'll muddle through this life the best I know how. And then I don't have to go to hell. I get to go to heaven. But Jesus is saying that I have a destiny and a plan for you in the here and now. There is a purpose. You are created on purpose for a purpose on this earth. And he wants to partner with you to help excavate that calling and that inheritance. And so I just, I just want to end, end in this. The heirs of God, this is a miracle because um, Paul is saying that, in, that what's in store for us is so grand, so glorious um, that we get to partner and participate in the glory of God. God's glory manifests through you as you're obedient to walk in the fullness of what he planned for your life. So I just want to say to you, I don't know what kind of upbringing you had. I don't know what kind of a broken family that you came out of. I don't know if you had a present father, an abusive father, and my heart goes out to you. But I am here to tell you that as you've surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus, the old has passed away. You have been born again. You have been reborn. You are in a new family, the family of God. You are, have an inheritance 
You have a calling, you have a purpose, and God yearns jealously to be in intimate relationship with you throughout the day, not just at night or in the morning, but while you are in the midst of the battles and trials of life, God is ever present, he is close, he has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. That is your identity as a son and daughter of God. And so I encourage you to go search and study these scriptures out for yourselves, to meditate on them, to allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate it, to enlarge your capacity of understanding that you are an heir, a co-heir with Jesus in the household and family of God. And so I just want to pray with you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person that is listening to this. I pray for that revelation to grow inside of their spirit, that they are a son and daughter of God, that the old has gone away, that they have been reborn, born again, and that they are in the household and the family of faith, that they have an inheritance, and that they would walk in the fullness of what you intended for their lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for spending the last 30 minutes with us. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing the Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.